Well, it is a brand new year. How many of you guys had a good year last year? Had a good one? Doesn't look like you had a good year last year. <laughs> well, you're here. That's a good thing. It's, a, it's another, another year. They, they keep coming. They don't stop coming. Anybody ever notice that it just keeps coming? And they keep coming faster and faster as I get older as well. I remember when I was a kid, I, the time just was so slow. Do you remember like you counted time between Christmases? And Christmases just took forever to get here. And then I got older and had bills and a mortgage and a job. And now all of a sudden, like I want time to take longer so I have more money to pay the bills. But it keeps coming too fast. I think that's what it is. I'm convinced that it's, it's, it's working in bills that causes time to go faster. Praise God. Well, as we start the new year, I kind of thought it was fitting that, because uh, most people start the new year with, with uh, New Year's resolutions. Anybody have any New Year's resolutions? I'm making yet. You're like three days late. <laughs> Praise God. I got, a, I got a, a couple. They're not so much New Year's per se. They're just resolutions that I've, I've uh, made in my heart to do this year. And one of the things that I want to focus on this year, and it's something that uh, Joseph is going to talk about uh, during the announcements as well briefly, so I won't take up too much time. But one of the things that I want to make a focus this year for me is prayer. Um, I, I want to make sure that, I mean, you guys know that prayer is important. I, and I want to make prayer focus in my life. And it's not that I don't pray, but I definitely don't think I pray enough. And uh, I think we need to, one, make it a priority in our own personal life to make sure that we're speaking. Because you can't have a relationship with God if you're not actually talking to him on occasion. But also, I think uh, one of the areas that we don't do well in, in prayer um, is as a church. We have uh, prayer meetings on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and there's almost nobody ever shows up to the prayer meetings. We have the people that lead it, and I'm there, and, and a couple others on occasion, but there's no, I think that if we want to be successful and grow as a church, we're going to need to come together and pray together as a church as well, and that is so important, because if you read all through the scriptures, and I think next week I'll probably minister on prayer, but if you read through the scriptures that that God moving and God's powers is almost always at the result of people crying out to him, people praying. And every great move of God you see is because the people cried out to God and God heard their cries. He heard their prayers. And this year, I think uh, for me personally, and I think as for a church, I want to make uh, prayer at the center of what we're doing as a church because it's going to be so important for us to grow into what God wants us to be, to have a greater impact in this community. And it fits pretty well because this morning I wanted to minister on walking in, in, in obedience and holiness. And part of being obedient is, is praying. Part of being an obedient Christian and being obedient to God is actually spending time with Him and, and speaking with Him. But the problem with obedience is here in the United States, being obedient is kind of a taboo word. Everybody thinks that we want to be in charge of our own self. We, want to, we can't be held down by anybody. When we're taught from our young age, look out for number one, you're the most important. To, so to submit to somebody is not considered a, a sign of strength or something that we should do, but actually it's considered a sign of weakness. And we're seeing more and more often that being someone who expects obedience when it's called on or it's called for is looked down on as well. I mean, even today, you can't expect obedience of your children without people being upset with the way that you're parenting in many ways. Parents 
today seem like they're more concerned with being their kids' friends than teaching their kids how to live, live life. And we have an entire generation and, uh, of, of kids. Uh, you know, this millennial generation, you hear people talking about, about it all the time, but in a lot of ways, it's not even their fault. They've been failed by their parents because they were never taught that they had to be obedient. They never taught that they had to be disciplined. They were taught their whole life that everything would be given to them no matter what they did. But the reality is, is that obedience is an important part of life. And you find out real quickly when you get into the real world the first time that you don't want to be obedient to your boss and then you're looking for a job. And then unfortunately, there are those who would be in power, who, who have, have authority that have taken advantage of people, requiring, requiring them to be obedient in situations that they had no right to do so. Matter of fact, we're seeing a huge backlash right now in the entertainment industry as men in power um, have basically required others, other men and other women, to do things that they had no authority or right to make them do it, but they felt like they had the power to make them do so. So this idea of, of, of doing what somebody else tells you or submitting is, is it gets a bad name because of all the people that use it improperly. And unfortunately, even in the church, there are areas of people who have abused their power and taken advantage of people in those situations. But I want to look at today uh, obedience from a biblical perspective. What does it look like? What does it mean? And what does it lead to? The reality is, is that in order to live a holy life, and how many know that when you're saved, you're, you're not saved to do whatever you want to, to, to sin freely. Instead, you're, you are free to not sin when you get saved. And part of living in holiness is being obedient to what God has for you. When, when, uh, when Jesus spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery, adultery, he said, go and sin no more. That wasn't just a good idea. That was a commandment. She needed to be obedient to that, to walk in the forgiveness that she had been given. When I was in the military, I began to see obedience in a completely different light. A different light. If you guys that don't know me, I was uh, in the Army Reserves for a while, and, and, and uh, I went to basic training, and that's when they begin to train you. And in the Army, you don't have a choice but to be obedient. If you're not, you pay for it quite dearly. And uh, I began to see the obedience, or the, the point of being obedient when I was in the Army, because when I was, when I was younger, I didn't get it. See, my mom was a, a single mom for a long time, and, and uh, I know you guys can't tell by knowing me now because I'm, I'm the poster child, of, uh, poster boy for being a good child. But when I was little, I wasn't always the best child. And, and uh, my mom was, was, was a single mom for uh, some of our childhood, and she was probably tired, and, and uh, we could just, I would just get away with everything. She thought I was the best kid ever, but really behind the scenes, I may not have been. I may have been, I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to wonder, but I may not have been the best child ever. And then she, she remarried my stepdad, who I lived most of my high school years with. And in the beginning, I hated that man because I was getting in trouble all of the time. Turns out he had done a lot of the same stuff I did, and he knew all the signs, he knew all the stuff. And instead of getting away with it anymore, hypothetically, I was getting in trouble. And, uh, uh, I, I couldn't stand him. I was so mad at him because just like my kids do today, I, I, I was mad because the reason I was in trouble not, was not because I was being an idiot. It was because he got me in trouble. You know, I didn't want to accept the responsibility. But, but I, man, I look back now 
And I realized that much of who I am, I could have been in a much worse position with the drugs and all of that stuff if I wouldn't have been grounded for a majority of my high school years, then I may have been out doing some really dumb stuff. And I look back down, I'm so thankful that there was someone who rein, to rein me in and to bring that in because it did affect who I became as an adult. But then I joined the army out of high school as well. And, and, and the army, like I said, uh, uh, obedience isn't just something you talk about. It's a way of life. You do what you're told. Matter of fact, once you join the army, it's not like a regular job. You can't quit. Once you sign those papers, like if you try to quit the army and you don't have a good reason, you don't go out the right way, you can go to jail for that. They'll put you in military prison if you just try to take off. Obedience is not an option. It's a way of life. And you begin to see it in all aspects of it because when we went out to the range, we all had to learn how to fire a weapon when we were in the army because that's part of your job, a soldier first. And if you didn't follow the rules, if you weren't obedient to those who were teaching you, people could get hurt. There was one time I remember a guy who, who uh, was on the range and uh, just wasn't paying attention, wasn't, was, was, was being uh, just careless. And I think he spun around with his weapon and ended up pointing his weapon at a bunch of the guys. And they made him lay on his back for like eight hours in what they called the dying cockroach. He sat up on a wood table for punishment to show that you couldn't do that stuff, lying on his back with his arms and legs up. And they called it the dying cockroach for like eight hours. Oh, no, that's what he peed in the foxhole. Now I remember it wasn't the gun. He, he didn't want to go. <laughs> they wouldn't let him go to the bathroom or something, so he peed in the foxhole. So they made him lay in the, the dying cockroach for like eight hours. You don't have the option to not obey <laughs> in the military. Same thing with cleaning your rifle if you didn't obey instructions. Your rifle, your rifle, your rifle, your rifle. Yeah, if you don't obey, if you don't obey her instructions. Your rifle could get onto you as well. But your rifle, it could fail on you in combat. And uh, if you're if you're in battle, if you're in war, you want your tools to work properly. We were ordered to take care of our gas mask a certain way. We had a specific way that it had to be folded up um, and and put into the the case where we wore it because if you didn't put it that way, you couldn't get it on in the split second that it would require if somebody uh, bombed us with chemical war for gas or anything like that. And, I mean, we just, does anybody ever mess around with tear gas? We, we all had to, uh, in the military, that's part of your training, is you have to go into the gas chamber and you get hit with tear gas. It's, the, you know, the riot gas or whatever. And, man, that stuff is awful. Matter of fact, in the video, there's a video that they put out for every class and in basic training. And if I could figure out where mine was, you would see me running out of the gas chamber because when they let you out, you finally get out and you run around in a circle flapping your arms because you can't rub it. You'll rub the stuff into your arms. But I come out of the, the, the gas chamber and there's just snot running down my nose, tears. And that's been recorded for prosperity. So <laughs> if I ever find that, I'll have to show you guys. But the, the stuff is nasty. But the whole point is, even when we went out and trained, they would shoot tear gas, at us, tear gas at us during training. And if you didn't have your gas mask packed properly, there's no way you could get it on in time. And being obedient to those instructions was a matter of life or death. I know they teach you how to use hand grenades too. Can you imagine if you didn't follow instructions while you were using a hand grenade? And in the army, obedience wasn't there to cause friction. It wasn't there to put people down. Actually, obedience in the army was there to make sure that people stayed alive. It was a matter of life and death in the army if you were or were not uh, obedient. 
and it could literally make the army run well and protect people or it could cost people their lives. And in the same is, is really true in the church. Our obedience can actually cost people their lives, except for in the army, uh, the, it's a temporary life that we're dealing with, but in the church, we're dealing with someone's eternal life. And when we walk in obedience and we walk in holiness, when we're serving God the way we should, then we are going to be able to have a greater impact on those around us so that we can share that, the, the gospel with them, that they can learn about Jesus, that they can have the same newness of life that we have. And our obedience to God and even our leaders in the church will make the difference of an effective ordered church or one that's run in chaos and has no impact in this world. And I don't want to be a church that has no impact. I don't want our impact to only be the few people in this room. We want to make an impact in this community and someday in the world as our fellowship grows and we plant more churches and we have a greater impact in the world around us. The truth is, your obedience can lead to the saving of your own life and that of others. So let's go to the first slide here. The first thing that Jesus says to us regarding this, he says in uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now this is a pretty simple thing to understand. If you love him, you'll follow his commandments. If you don't follow his commandments, then you don't love him. It's a, it's a natural response. And it's not like, it's not like you know, when you, when you look to your significant other and you're like, if you loved me, you would go make me some coffee right now. You know, when we do silly stuff, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. This is not a, Jesus is not trying to manipulate anybody into doing what he says. Jesus is not trying to twist your arm. He's not trying to make you feel bad or guilty if you don't. But the thing is, is that, this is uh, stating the reality of loving somebody. If you're in a relationship with your spouse and you really love her, you realize that you want to please them. You want to make them happy. You want to do things that are going to impact them in a good way. And the reality is, is that, that when you love somebody like Jesus, who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when you love somebody like that, then you do what they say. Especially when you are convinced that what they say is for your best interest. Some of us don't listen to certain things because we're not convinced that, that what, what Jesus is saying is for our best interest. What God wants is for our best interest, interest. And actually, we live in a world today where biblical principles are thrown to the wayside because we're taught our best interest is to look out for ourselves. In the church, and, and as far as God's concerned, sex is reserved for marriage. But in the world, they say sex is for whenever you want. It becomes a transaction and not the spiritual thing that it is. And when we live outside of disobedience, when we think that why would God do that to us? Does he just want to take away our fun? When the reality is, is if you love him, you trust that what he's saying is for your betterment. And there's plenty of studies that will show that uh, when you wait, when you only have sex inside of marriage, that actually your life is bettered. Right now, the the three highest indicators um, of, of, your, of somebody's wealth in this country is you don't get pregnant before you get out of high school, you get married, and you finish high school. Those three, if you do those three things, that's the highest indicator that, that you will be uh, successful in this world. And they can look, they can do statistics. If you don't graduate high school, if you don't uh, wait till, till after you're married to have kids, and if you don't get married, then you're going to have issues in this life. This is, this is not uh, uh, me coming from a moral standpoint or from a, a religious standpoint. This is just 
math. It's statistics. They've done the research on this kind of stuff. And when you, you, if you're a Christian, you realize that, hey, that makes sense. You know, we, we realize that God has the best interest for us. But the reality is, is that if you love somebody, particularly this relationship that we have with Jesus, the natural result, the natural desire is that we'd want to be obedient to him. And the truth is, is you don't even just see this here. This is not something unique to Jesus. You can look at world leaders around the world, or even if you look at at bosses that you've had, people that you've worked for, people that you've known, leaders that have been particularly inspiring or have touched you in a particular way, you realize that your loyalty to them, what you'll do for them, is much greater than it is for anybody else. And we see this with leaders all around the world that have a great following that people love. They're willing to do whatever they ask them to do, not because they're being manipulated, but because they truly love and believe in what they're doing. And that's the reality of a life that loves Jesus. We keep his commandments. You guys know it's the law to put a seatbelt on your kid, right? How many of you make your kids wear seatbelts because it's the law or because you love them and you don't want them to get hurt? Not to say that our parents didn't love us, because nobody made us wear seatbelts, but we didn't know. (laughs) But nowadays, when we do those things, it's because we care about our kids. We care about, we want them to be safe, and we realize these things will be safe. And the truth is, obedience to Jesus in every area of our lives, just out of love, and we're obedient to him because we love him, can cause us to have victory in our lives. There's a story of an old army sergeant who for 25 years was trying to quit smoking. And for 25 years, he failed over and over and over and over again. And finally, uh, he went to uh, one of his annual physical checkups. I don't know if you know this, but when you're in the army, if you retire from the army, you still can get medical care through through the government. And he went to one of his annual checkups and he saw a military doctor who happens to be a captain. And as he's talking to the sergeant about, about his uh, smoking, he says he can't quit, he can't quit. The, 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 the doctor says, you see these two bars on my shirt, on my collar? And he goes, yeah, and he goes, what's that mean? He goes, well, it means you're a captain. And he goes, yeah, but it also means that I outrank you and I command you to stop smoking. For 25 years, this sergeant couldn't quit smoking. But because he was so invested in the military way of life, because he was so invested to, in the reality that when he was commanded by a superior officer to do something, he did what he was told. This command, him being obedient, actually was the thing that enabled him to quit smoking after 25 years. The reality is, is that how it should be in the kingdom of heaven as well? If nothing else, even if something doesn't quite make sense, we trust Jesus, we trust our God that he loves us and wants the best for us and we're obedient to him. One of the things that uh, Francis Chan said that really made a, an interesting thing to me, and I think I've shared it before, but uh, when he talks about different things in the Bible and some of the stuff he doesn't quite understand, he says, I don't know why God wants us to do things this way. But he says, but I had to reconcile with myself that no matter what God said, I would do what he said. And he, Francis Chan said, you know, if I read in the Bible that, that it said that all Chinese people must stand on their head, I may not agree with it, I may not understand it, but if that's what my God says, who I trust and who I love, then I would stand on my head. Now, thank God that he doesn't give us any commandments that are as arbitrary and trivial as that. He's not, we're not some sort of circus for God to, that he can just command to do what he wants. He actually loves us and cares for us and wants the best for us. Jesus also said that 
if we're his friends, we'll do what he commands. In John 15, 14, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. The truth is that when we gave our lives to Jesus, we called him our Lord and Savior, and we declared and voluntarily submitted to his lordship in our lives. But the great thing about Jesus is it's not like, anybody seen the, the new Star Wars? You guys haven't seen this? It's not much of a spoiler, but I'm going to talk about this part. There, there's a part where one of the, uh, the, the captains of one of the ships has got a plan put in place, and she's telling them what they need to do. And I won't tell you what they're telling them what you need to do because if you haven't seen it, but uh, she's telling them what they need to do, and, and one of the guys underneath, he doesn't understand, and he becomes rebellious, and he actually acts out and takes off, and he's trying to thwart the He actually tries to take over the ship and relieve her of her, her command of this ship. But what was interesting is the reason why he was having so much trouble is, is she never did tell him what he was doing, what she was doing. She never did tell him what was going on. And the truth is, true obedience is like that, particularly in the military. You don't get told why you're to do something. You just do what you're told. But I thank God that, that we don't have this, that same situation in the church because God has made known the mysteries of his will through his son to us. We're not confused as to why we're to to do these things. We're not confused as to why we're not to sin because we've learned that sin actually causes death. The wages of sin is death. We're not unaware of what God has for us, what his will is for us. His mysteries have been made known to us, and that's because not only is he our Lord, not only is he our Savior, but we can call him friend as well. And as friends, we co-labor alongside with him. Let's go to the next slide. Man, we're never going to get done. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, 14-19 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Do you know that walking in obedience, the result of walking in obedience, is holiness in your life? And a holiness is all about being set apart from God. When we are saved, we're not saved into doing whatever we want, but we are saved into being set apart for God. We're supposed to look different. When people see you, they should see something different than the rest of the world. That's why in many ways the church is failing in so many areas because actually we just look so much like the world. What's the point of being part of that? It just seems like it's, it's the same thing but less fun. But the reality is, is we should be different. There should be something seen that's different. When people look at us, they, sh they should be able to tell. That was another one of, the, one of the things they told us in the Army was that when you go overseas, particularly uh, some of those other areas that have bases uh, that aren't as friendly to Americans, in Germany, they, that was one of the areas that we had to be careful to some extent. And like if you went near the base in Tijuana, you really had to be careful if you went off the base. It's because they said that when people look at you, even if you're in your civilian clothes, they can tell that you're a soldier. Not least of which is, the haircut, right? All soldiers got the same haircut. 
But on top of that, when we would march, we were taught to march in a specific way. When you're taught to march in the army, not only do you have to be in step, but they even tell you how to hold your hands. So if you look, you'll see with soldiers a lot of times, even when they're walking normally, they always have their hands cup, uh, thumb on their forefinger, and that's how we're taught to hold our hands when we march. We, we walk a certain way. We do our, our hair a certain way. There's a, people could tell when you're a soldier, and the same should be true for Christians. People should be able to tell that we are Christians, that we're soldiers in his army. And being obedient is not a, a good idea, but it's a requirement to serve God. And before we were saved, we did all kinds of dumb stuff, and Peter here refers to it as your former ignorance. You know, before we were saved, we didn't know that we could be free. We didn't know we could live without all of those things. We didn't know that we could be forgiven. We didn't even know we were acting against God. You know, the Scripture says that before you're saved that you're an enemy of God. That's a pretty stark contrast. But the problem we run into as Christians so many times, I think, is we misunderstand grace. Now, grace is a great thing. I love grace. It's, it's what our church is, is, is one of the foundational principles is that we extend grace to people because if God loves them, we're going to love them as well. If God forgives them, we're going to forgive them as well. We're going to be accepting and loving. But we've, we've somehow taken that pendulum so far to one side because at one point in the church, grace was kind of on the back burner and it was all about structure and rules and, and everything had to be perfect. And if you ever messed up, then, then God hated you and you were going to hell. And then this, this pendulum of grace swung way to the other side and people said, well, God loves us. He's extended us grace. That means that we can do whatever we want want but that's not true either the reality is we're still supposed to be obedient we're still supposed to walk in holiness god didn't free us so that we could we could sin and do whatever we want he actually freed us from the power and the bondage of that very sin that caused us to do those things paul said in the book of romans he said before he was saved that he wanted not to sin he agreed with the word of the law but he couldn't he said there was two natures inside of him. One wanted to agree with God, but even when he tried not to sin, even when he agreed, he was still forced to sin because of sin inside of him. But we have a different story because we have Jesus. We've been made brand new. We actually can live without sin. We can walk in holiness. Before we were saved, it was impossible to be obedient to him. But now we can. I know I remember in my life before I got well and truly saved, I agreed with, with Christianity and I wanted to live my life in that way, but I would go to bed every night and lay out my laundry list of sin asking God to forgive me and then I would get up the next morning and do them over and over again. And it was the same routine every night. God, please forgive me for this, 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 and this. And the next day I would be doing them all over again. I remember when I was a teenager and and some of you guys have heard this and y'all laugh at me about it, but I remember thinking I can't wait till I turn 18 because then at least smoking won't be a sin as far as breaking the law goes. I won't be breaking the law anymore. That would be a good thing because I couldn't break away from that sin that had a grip on my life that had a hold over me until Jesus came into my heart. And the reality is, is that God is holy. I don't think anybody questions that, 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 that believes in God. God is holy. He is different than us. The scripture actually says that there is that light and darkness cannot coexist. They can't be in the same room together. And we see that even with our physical eyes. If you walk into your, your house at night and it's completely dark, when you flip on the light, have you ever turned on, on the light switch and really felt like your light was struggling to push back the darkness? It doesn't happen that way. When you turn on light, 
the the light, the darkness flees. Darkness can exist; they can't exist in the same space. It's either light or it's dark. And the same is true with God. We, darkness cannot exist in the light. And God paid an incredible price so that we could be free, that we could walk without sin, that we could walk in that light. And to not live in that freedom, to not walk in obedience and holiness to him, is to disregard that great and precious gift that he gave to you. We'll go to the next one. In 2 John uh, 1, 5 through 6, it says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard it from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. We know that we're commanded to obey. I was just talking to you about that. We see that, that walking in love is actually uh, uh, walking according to his commandments. And that's the thing that we have to ask ourselves. If we're commanded to obey, if we're commanded to, to walk in holiness, what does that look like to obey his commandments? And the, the quickest and easiest way to look at us is just to walk in love. If we will make that our number one priority, to love one another, to show one another love, you're going to find that what you're doing is walking in his commandments. Listen to how Jesus responded when he was asked what the greatest commandments were. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40, he said, Teacher, which is, the great command, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But then the next thing he said was, is the most profound to me. He said, And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Even the other eight commandments that we have are predicated based on these first two. Matter of fact, if we could just live these first two out, we wouldn't need any of the other commandments because by default, if we loved others and we loved God and made that our priority, we would walk in accordance with the law. If you loved your neighbor, you would never be trying to take his things. If you loved God and you, 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 you loved uh, the, your, your girlfriend, you would never try to do something that could cause harm to her. You would never try to operate outside of the boundaries of God. If you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them. And if you love somebody, you're certainly not going to kill them. If we would love one another, then we'd be okay. That's how we walk in His commandments. This is this is love. That's what love looks like when we walk according to his commandments. They're actually flip side of the same coin. If you walk in love, you are obeying his commandments. And if you are obeying his commandments, you're walking in love. love and, and love and obeying are eternally tied together. When we love others, we are obeying God. And when we walk in love, we are obeying God. And when we obey God, we are demonstrating our love for him. Therefore, even obedience is an act of worship. It's an act of love. It's not something that we should be upset about or hurt about or feel like God's trying to hold us down. It should be a natural response of one who gave everything for us because we love him. It is how we can honor our God for what he's done for us. And if we would just recognize that we are actually glorifying God in our obedience, I think we would gain victory in areas of our life that we could never really grab a hold of. 
or the next one. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. First thing we have to do to, to obey His commandments is walk in love. And the next thing that you have to do is take every thought captive. There's actually one more after this. Take every thought captive to be, obey Christ. Oh, no, there's not. Sorry. I apologize. No, go back. I've missed the five. I thought there was more. So it's, but he says we, we have to take every thought captive. We can't let our thoughts run away from ourselves. If we want to successfully walk in obedience, we have to control what we are thinking about because the problem is is that when you think about stuff, it'll eventually turn into actions in your body. If we allow our thoughts to run unchecked, we'll end up in places that we don't want to be and we'll wonder how we even got there. How did the, the things connect together? How did we get into this place that we are? Has anybody ever laid in bed at night and you're you're trying to go to sleep and you decide you're going to think about something and then all of a sudden you realize you're thinking about something completely different. You're like, those aren't even related in the slightest. How did I even get here? Like I remember one time I was laying in bed, began to pray, and the next thing I know I was thinking about when I used to work for Frito-Lay and one time I walked in on one of the managers at a, cute, at a quick mart while she was using the restroom. She should have locked the door. But I remember one day I'm laying in bed and I'm like, how did I get here? And you start trying to follow your thoughts backwards and you're like, you got like the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon going on as you bounce back and forth to where you're going because your mind just does its own thing. If you don't keep control of your mind and your thoughts, you will wind up in places that you never even imagined that you could get to. So how do we keep them captive? How do we keep those in control? One, I can tell you that if you have that issue with praying, if you lay down to pray and find your mind wanders, pray out loud. That's been the biggest help to me when I, when I pray. If I don't want my mind to wander, is I pray out loud. And something about hearing yourself causes you to stay on track. But the, the other way we keep our, our, our minds, uh, our thoughts captive is by keeping our minds on things above. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, you're going to find that it's much easier to walk in holiness and walk in obedience. It's actually when we take our eyes off of him that we begin to drift away. It's interesting because I find that in my own life when I'm um, finding myself drifting away, when I'm not being obedient to him, when I'm not walking in love and walking in his commandments consistently, it's actually when I find myself drifting farther and farther away from God. And if you ever find yourself drifting away from God where it feels like he's very far away, that could be one of the things that you need to examine in your own life is, is are you walking in obedience? Are you? I mean, because that's the one thing we talked earlier about prayer being an important thing and it, Children that are obedient to God, we spend time in prayer. Are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you doing those things? The Bible says that we're to meditate on the law, meditate on His Word. Always. <laughs> it should be in our mouths, always. That's part of being obedient. And the second thing that you need to do to keep your thoughts captive 
is if they show up, a thought that's not supposed to be there, kick it out. Readjust. Take the, 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 the active initiative to focus on something else. I would recommend begin to praise. Particularly if it's sinful stuff trying to get its way, temptation trying to get its way into your head. First, know that just because you get tempted doesn't mean that you've sinned. You've not done anything wrong by being tempted. The problem is when you let it linger and it, it turns into sin. The reason I know that it's not sin to be tempted because Jesus was without sin, but he spent 40 days in the desert being tempted by Satan. But he did not sin. So temptation is not the issue. It's what we do with that temptation. And when you have those thoughts creep into your head, take control of them and send them somewhere else. Focus on something else. And the easiest way that I found to do that in my own life is I just begin to praise Jesus. I begin to, to praise God because you can't have Jesus in your head and those other things in your head at the same time. You can't have your eyes on something else and Jesus at the same time. And if you'll do that, you'll find that it's much easier to get away from those things. And every time the temptation comes back, even if it's a, it's a flip-flop thing, you're like, all right, Jesus, I'm good, and it comes right back. As soon as you stop, flip back to Jesus. Stay on Him. Begin to praise. Begin to worship. Begin to pray. And you'll find that you're able to have victory in those areas which you had never been able to have victory before. And we'll go ahead and end here this morning in Luke 6, 46-49. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And the one question that we have to ask ourselves as Christians is, is if we call Jesus Lord, then why do we not do what he says? If we call Jesus our Lord, then a natural response of that would be to do what he says. And even in this, this story, he says, if you hear my words and you don't do them, it's like building your, your house on the sand. But if you hear my words and you do them, you're building a foundation, a solid rock to build your house on. Even in these parables, we see that Jesus' commandments are good for us. They make us strong. They make us able to withstand no matter what comes against us. Because if you read this story here, the one thing that's the same about both of those men, the one who builds their house on the rock and the one who builds their house on the sand without a firm foundation, the one thing that's, that's the same about both of them is that the storm comes. There's going to be storms in your life. There's going to be attacks against you. Sometimes it's the enemy coming against you. Sometimes it's your own dumb self coming against you. And sometimes we live in a world that's fallen and broken and it's coming against everybody. The storms will come, but if your foundation is built on the solid rock of His Word, if you're obedient to Him, if you live in holiness, you will make it out the other side. Your house will still be standing when those around you have tumbled and crawled, or crumbled and failed and, and fallen. Yours will still be standing and you'll make it out the other side. The truth is the floods are always going to come regardless of the foundation. But church, let's be a people who decide to make our foundation based on His words. Let's be obedient to Him. Let's walk in holiness. Let's walk in love. Let's take those thoughts captive. And let's glorify God in our obedience to Him. Amen?
Let's go ahead and bow our head.